Happy Tuesday, friends. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Super fun conversation today about Mr. Beastburger. But before we jump in, I want to remind you about our sponsor, Leadership Pathway. They help young leaders take their best and first steps into healthy ministry through launching residency programs and coaching for the first three years of ministry. If you have someone on your team who is in their first three years or they're just starting with you, do not wait to get them a coach to help face the unique challenges of starting in ministry. Reality is that those who make it through a third year of ministry will probably make it to 10 or 20 and or so but so many quit in those first three years. A lot of my friends quit or got fired because they didn't understand, didn't grasp the larger picture. You're busy. You don't have the time. We get it. Let our good friends at Leadership Pathway help. $100 a month is nothing compared to the long-term cost of a young leader quitting or getting fired in the first three years. Leadership Pathway team has talked to thousands of leaders and worked with hundreds of churches on a variety of talk topics. They know Gen Z, they get millennials, they are working with this age group and they're coaching leaders who are working with this age group all over the country. I want you to lean in and talk. Again, do you have a young leader in their 20s who is in the first three years of their ministry? Now is the time for you to reach out to Leadership Pathway. Hit up leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary. It's all there. Again, that's leadershippathway.org forward slash unseminary. It's all there. Well, let's jump in with today's episode. Let's go. This is the Unseminary Podcast. Stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. My name is Christine. Today I'm joined, of course, by the founder of the Unseminary Podcast, Rich Birch. How are you? I'm doing great. I appreciate using my last name. Yes. Just just to clarify (laughs) all the riches in my life. Yes. All right. um, We're going to be chatting about something fun today. Yes. Before we jump into it, I want to know, if you were to spend time on YouTube, what would you be viewing? Well, we, I think we've got to mention this a few times. So I've been through, it might be like a reflection of my internal thought life. So I like went Uh-oh. through a period where I was watching roller coaster videos for a while. And then somehow that morphed into documentaries about Chernobyl. Oh dear. Um, and then that shifted kind of obviously into uh, weird facts about the Soviet Union, like the old Soviet Union. Uh, and a lot of Disney World content. So it's those two together. It's very strange. I'm going to go with the Disney World content. <laughs> if you follow the arc of what's going on in your life emotionally, I feel like that's the best place to land. Yes. All right. <laughs> nice. Well, today um, we want to thank you for a lesson in cultural relevance. Oh, thank you. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Mr. Beast Burger. What is it and what it can teach your church? So tell us all about that. Okay, so if you're not familiar with YouTube culture, which I don't pretend to be like a big YouTube culture guy. However, I am trying to stay current and learn uh, where I can. You you might have not heard of Mr. Beast. So this guy, Jimmy Donaldson, a.k.a. Mr. Beast, he was the top content creator on the platform in 2020. He's super engaging. You should watch his stuff. We've got lots of links in this article to content that I think would be good to give you a sense of scale of this guy's reach. Uh, over the years, he's he's posted some pretty amazingly engaging creative content. And at the time of writing it, actually, it's funny. I was just looking at this. At the time of writing this article, he had 51 million subscribers. He's actually up over 52 million now, which is incredible when you think like in a week's time, he's gone up a million. Um, you know, he really struck viral gold in 2017 with the simplest of all videos. 
he posted this video of him counting himself counting from one to one hundred thousand uh to one hundred thousand just literally one two three all the way to one hundred thousand and uh it's been viewed tens of thousands of times it's worth watching uh it might seem like a strange start but it did give him a lot of notoriety and launched him to stratosphere on the platform well the thing we're talking about today. So this is the guy, Mr. Beast. But what is Mr. Beast Burger? Well, in uh, late last year, 2020, uh, he launched an enterprise called Mr. Beast Burger. And this is incredible. It's a restaurant chain with over 300 locations. And he did it all in a single day. He opened them all on the one day, all across the country. Crazy. To put that in context, that puts him at about the same size as like Shake Shack, Smash Burger, and the ever impressive In-N-Out Burger. Uh, however, these restaurant t- chains literally took decades to get to it. Well, Mr. Beast Burger, he did it in one day. Now, the interesting thing about Mr. Beast Burger, he, uh, it's, it's what's called a virtual restaurant. So he's got an app, you download it, and you order on the app. You have to you put in your address, it'll tell you whether it delivers. And what he's doing is he has 300 real live restaurants who have partnered with him. They're making the meals and then meal delivery services like Uber Eats and um, skip the dishes and you know there's all these different ones are are doing the uh, the actual delivery for people this is incredible what an amazing uh, concept so cool so that's what we're talking about today uh, kind of all about the launch of Mr. Beast Burger and what we can learn if if you want to see more which I would encourage you to uh, you'll see again a link to the launch video. It's pretty amazing. The day he launched, a part of what Mr. Beast is known for is he gives away things. It's kind of a part of what he, his kind of persona is. He's given away all kinds of stuff over the years. So Did he do this, giveaways in that counting video? He didn't in that one, but later as he's kind of yeah. gained notoriety, he's okay. done all kinds. Like he's literally giving away cars, tens of yeah. thousands of dollars. He went into like, at, right before Christmas, he went into a toy, I think a Toys R Us or like a big toy store and bought literally everything in the store wow. and then gave it all away. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah. So on the launch of Mr. Beast Burger, what they did was they gave away uh, free burgers. So it was like, we're going to give away free burgers all day long. Uh, and in fact, there ended up being a 20 mile long line to get connected, which is incredible. But not only was he giving away burgers, he was giving away cash, uh, computers, he's giving away iPhones, iPods. Uh, but but he also gave away as a car as well. You should watch the video. It's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, so, Mr. Beast Burger. It totally tweaked my interest. I ended up watching that video uh, because of this article, and yes. it's kind of got um, Ellen vibes like on the giveaway side yes, of things so yes. if you like that kind of thing or like oprah's favorite things or whatever from back in the day um you will really enjoy it it was a fun i think it was about 10 minutes or something yeah, like that it was yeah, fun it's, time it's pretty great for sure all right well we've got to get started so six things that we can learn from mr beast burger number one online and in person leveraging the best of the one to make the other better yeah, so it's fascinating to watch all these online celebrities and digital businesses push into the in-person world. This, I think, is particularly interesting for us in the church world uh, in this season when so many of us started in the physical world. And now, really, over the last year, we've become a lot more digital. Mr. Beast Burger represents an interesting hybrid because it's clearly an online digital platform. It's an app. Literally, that's what it is. And But it's delivering an in-person experience, an actual in-person experience. Uh, Although I'm excited for the digital innovation that's happened at so many churches across the country over this last year, uh, I really do think that we need to be thinking about in this next step, how do we come up with interesting hybrids of the two? Instead of, I think before all this COVID stuff, we thought about it as you do in person and then you do online. Well, what, what if we thought more creatively and came up with ways to blend the better, to blend the both 
together. So like I say, leveraging the best of one to make the other the better, rather than trapping ourselves in this false dichotomy that says it's either online versus in person. How do we recognize the hybrid nature of the world that we all live in today? Uh, we obviously don't live in a purely online world. Our offline world is increasingly injected with digitally co digital connected technology. How can we find a unique combination of the two uh, that acknowledges the world we live in. I, you know, I'm struck also by this example from Peloton, our, our friends, the the home bike company, who just exploded this year. They've been having trouble with their delivery uh, because of their, you know, pipeline, but they've had an amazing year. And actually, earlier this year, I listened to this investor call from them where, fascinatingly, their CEO, so they've, like, literally exploded in the last 12 months. Like, I can't remember the sales increase, but it's, you know, more 10x growth kind of thing. And the, the analysts were pushing them saying, so you're going to get out of your 100 locations. They have 100 locations across the country, actual physical locations you can go walk into. And he said something fascinating. He said, no, no, we're not getting rid of those physical locations because we believe that still there is a time in the future where people need to see things in the real world. They, they need to see both this kind of both online and in person. So uh, it's important. They need the contact of, you need know, to connect with people in the real world to see their business take place in the future. So online and in person, I think this is an interesting example of that. Anything else you want to say about Peloton? <laughs> yes, so I ordered a Peloton a long time ago, uh, and I have been stuck in Peloton jail. So it has not showed up yet. I've got, I've had it uh, booked twice to arrive, and it's not shown up. Uh, and so my next delivery is coming up in, in this next week. So maybe we by the, shall see. We'll see by the next time we're on the podcast. If you see me doing a pod, if you see me doing an article, something like five reasons why Peloton is great, you'll know that my Peloton arrived. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Number two, audience building. Who is following along with your church's story? Okay. So this, this is incredible. So Mr. Beastburger didn't spend a single cent on Facebook ads, direct uh, mail, or any other paid media. Just think about that. Like launching a, a restaurant train, a chain, a national restaurant chain, actually becoming international, uh, without launching a single, without paying for a single piece of media. How did he do that? It's fascinating. It's astonishing, really. Well, he turned his sizable audience onto this concept and launched it rapidly. This is an important lesson for your church and my church. Audience building is at the core of Mr. Beastburger's business. And what, is, what do I mean by audience building? Audience building is simply gathering people who are interested at varying levels, kind of maybe even remotely interested in what we're doing. In their case, it means building YouTube subscribers, Instagram followers, uh, and an email list that, that they can reconnect with over time to, re to draw in those fans time and again. Uh, even the decision to launch their own app is a creative one because it's really about um, you know, list building because what they're doing there is getting all those email addresses, getting all that contact information uh, so that they can ultimately not only connect with Mr. Beast Burger, but other Mr. Beast oriented endeavors. Our churches need to be thinking about this in an, this about this ever increasing audience around our ministries. Again, in this last year, we've seen, uh, you know, I think something new and I have not been able to coin it yet. I've been thinking a lot about it. Years ago, Rick Warren uh, from Saddleback, he really coined this phrase of what he called the five circles of commitment and he talked about how every church has five circles of kind of people from the least committed 
to the most committed. He talked about the community, the crowd, the congregation, the committed, and then what he called the core. But I really do think that in this digital era, there is something, there's a group of people outside of the community sphere or outside of that group that's kind of the least connected that are maybe aware of who our ministry is, but aren't plugged into what we do. So this is the question. How can we capture that groups of people's contact information so you can keep them connected even at a tangential level, at a small kind of drip level over time, eventually moving them closer and closer and closer to our ministry? We used to ignore everybody. Let's listen, friends. We used to ignore people unless they came to our buildings. Uh, you know, people would drive by our buildings all day long, but unless they actually step foot in, we would ignore them. We're doing the same with our digital audiences if we're not attempting to capture their contact information, to get connected to them, even if it's a tangential connection, a weak connection with them over time to drip content to them. Audience building, I believe, needs to be a part of our growth strategy as we look to the future. Effective ministries have always had a space for people who to belong to their community first, before requiring them to behave in a certain way. Audience building allows us to do that at scale, allows us to simply love people at scale, to have a wide variety of people that are in our kind of the general orbit of our ministry, who we hope will eventually become connected in a more substantial way. Audience building, I think it's important for your church and mine. That's excellent. All right, number three, partnership potentials, working together for a better future. Yeah, so it's like super fascinating to me. Like, I, I wish everybody who's listening to this could have watched Mr. Beast before we, we did this because he's a young gentleman. He's clearly smart. He's clearly engaging. He's fun on video. He's a little bit of the everyman. Like, he's not, he's not like you said this or might have been accused of saying he's not particularly the most handsome guy. He's kind of like your he's average. He's kind of geeky. He is kind of like your average guy. Like you probably know someone who's very much like like him. Now, it's fascinating to me that, that Mr. Beast struck up relationships with hundreds of restaurants all across the country to make his food and that third-party companies he's never met, he's never had any relationship with them, is delivering that food for him. Talk about effective partnership building. Uh, a, par- a partnering restaurant... Um, the partnering restaurant might be an Italian place around the corner or your hometown burger joint. Mr. Beast Burger is focusing on their efforts at marketing while relying on third-party uh, uh, third organizations to ultimately deliver the food, uh, meaning online services, uh, cover the last mile to connect restaurants to its customers. It's a fairly seamless experience to folks that have been doing it. In fact, it's fascinating to kind of follow along and watch the story. People open the app, order, and it, it happens. Now, in the future... There may be new opportunities for us to work together as churches across the country in a similar way. We've often drawn strong lines between what is our church and what is other churches. And, and, and you know, the, the lines between what makes an organization are starting to disintegrate in all kinds of sectors. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of new ways that organizations are organizing themselves. What we're seeing with Mr. Beast Burger, this idea of a virtual restaurant, is one of them. I think there may be opportunities for us to see this happen in the future. In fact, recently, in the last two weeks, I was talking to an individual who was attending uh, church online at their church that they, they had just moved. They moved across the country from kind of the West Coast to the East Coast. And uh, they were watching church online at the new church that they're in. But then uh, he was attending a Bible study at the church that they used to attend back on the West Coast. And then his wife was attending a women's ministry of a third church. And then together, as a couple, they were attending a marriage ministry of a fourth church. Now, 
That's fascinating to me. Now, those people obviously are insiders. They love Jesus and uh, they're not necessarily who our churches are trying to reach. However, they do represent, I think, a pattern of the way people are thinking about church and thinking about, you know, breaking down barriers. I wonder in the future if there's ways for us to dream up creative new approaches to partnership that might ultimately propel our ministries forward, help us reach more people and connect them with the teaching of Jesus. I think there might be new opportunities on this front. I've got a question for you. So the partnerships that Mr. Beast established in order to make this virtual restaurant happen, they, those partnerships ended up being mutually beneficial. Yes. So like the restaurants they saw increased, um, just business. Sales. Yeah. yeah sales. Um, and they didn't have to do the marketing, right? They just have to do this focus on their thing, the thing they do well. That's right. If, could this be the case in churches too, or would partnerships that churches could make, um, with each other be just become beneficial to the kingdom at large? Oh, that's a good question. So like, I think we're all, we already see some of this happening. So if you think about the alpha movement, alpha in a very real way is Holy Trinity Brompton, you know, in the UK, it's kind of their outreach ministry. And we're all benefiting because they've pulled together alpha and have allowed us to be a part of it. I wonder in the future if um, we used to develop separate organizations to do that kind of partnership. If we'll just become more comfortable with working together with other churches, if if it would be strange to say, and we've seen some of this this year, like maybe it's not so weird to have guest speaker from X mm-hmm. church come and speak. We've had this happen at our church this mm-hmm. year where I'm not sure that would have happened two years ago, three years ago. Well, it wouldn't have happened two, three years ago. That wouldn't have been possible. I wonder if there's more opportunity for that and ultimately to kind of blur the lines. We've seen this with, um, you know, churches that are particularly effective in partnering locally with other, um, you know, service agencies, agencies that do a good job. Instead of starting a food bank, find the best food bank in town and get behind them. Instead of starting, a, you know, a battered women's shelter, find a, a great women's shelter in town and partner with them. They do their thing well. You do your thing well. I think there's more opportunity for us in the future on that. All right. Number four, authenticity keeps winning. Is there a higher cultural value than excellence? Yeah, if we don't, if you don't normally spend time on YouTube or engage with vloggers, you might be slightly off put at how much authenticity these personalities exhibit. We had just talked a little bit about this. So much of this content is behind the scenes and it isn't pretty or polished at all. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, in the Disney sphere that I was talking about this, I, again, I'm a Disney fan. I follow a bunch of you know, bloggers around, you know, and vloggers around Disney. This has been a tough year for that company, particularly on the in-person event side. And some of those people get pretty raw about like the fact that they're so bummed that they can't go to the park or they can't do those kind of things. It would appear that authenticity draws community like nothing else. People want to engage when they see folks, folks, when they see folks who are doing something online that is real and maybe just a little bit gritty. Um, you know, this is there's a good example from the early days of Mr. Beast Burger when, as you can imagine, understandably, there were a few complaints about the burgers, particularly about the crinkle fries. There were some issues with the crinkle fries. Uh, fries early, don't travel well in general. They don't fr- travel wa- well in general. Now, rather than hiding behind corporate statements, Mr. Beast took to the airwaves on Instagram and on YouTube and apologized. He said, yeah, I'm so sorry. We're, we're struggling with this. We are working on it. Personally said, yeah, I'm working to make sure that we can get this better. And uh, and spoke about the challenges of opening up a national restaurant chain overnight. 
and committed to improve both the warm of the burgers and the crispiness of the crinkles fries. Now, interesting thing here, what ended up happening, again, this is an incredible season we live in. What ended up happening was all these Mr. Beast fans started cheering and being like, this is fantastic. And then started releasing recipes on how to take your fries and make them more crispy at home. Started releasing extra content about, wow, look at how amazing my burger was that I got from Mr. Beast Burger. And actually kind of rebutted the people who were, uh, you know, complaining about the, the crinkle fries. All of this authenticity ultimately is more endearing for Mr. Beast's fans, his followers, and ultimately the people who are buying the burgers. We've said it before, but and I'll definitely say it again, behind the scenes content from your church that draws your community into the production of whatever's happening at your, ch your church is key when it comes to creating great social media content for your church today. If you're launching new projects in the coming weeks, we're getting ready for Easter, we're getting ready for Mother's Day, now is a great time to start showing people that process behind the days, behind the scenes. Uh, that will draw people in. Uh, don't hide behind some uh, fake quality veneer. You know, in the, the so I'm Gen X, born 1974. The 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 very bottom of the bust. You get the baby boom, and then you have the lowest birth rate year of the 20th century. That's me. But the boomers, there was a cultural value with that generation around like superhuman people. Like there actually used to be a value. I know this might be hard to believe to some listeners, but there used to be a value that leaders were like untouchable. They were like Superman. They were Superman, actually a lot of men. Mm. And they were, they were, and, and those were the people that you followed. You wanted to follow people who were like amazing and had it all together. That is not the case anymore. People want to see, they know, they already know that you're messed up and that you're a broken person who Jesus has drawn you back in. They know that. They know that that's true. So just live that out in front of people. One of the ways you can do that is to not hide behind some fake veneer of quality, uh, which is, which another way to say quality in that sense could literally just be like we're putting on a front uh, in front of people. That's good. All right. Number five, community service as a growth strategy. They think it's a good thing. We know it's a God thing. A core part of Mr. Beast's uh, burgers offering is this buy one, give one strategy. We've seen this with other um, companies in the past. You know, Tom's Shoes are really the first people to widely popularize this. The idea of a portion of your sales actually go, uh, in that case, go, you know, you buy a pair of shoes and they'll give a pair of shoes to kids in uh, developing countries, which they actually don't say anymore. I'm doing some research on that. Mm. They've changed that language, but it's still, they are still doing buy one, give one, but they're not doing a direct one-to-one. -one. They're funding projects in, in countries rather than just doing shoes. Anyways, all that being said, the idea that a portion of the sales of Mr. Beast Burgers will ultimately go to feeding people in the communities where the burger orders are placed. So they're, again, hmm. trying to partner with uh, food banks and, you know, food, uh, scare, uh, food security organizations to help, uh, f you know, feed homeless people and, and not just homeless people, but people who are lacking food. And they're doing that in the communities that their, uh, orders are coming from. So the more you order, the more people in your community will get funded. Now, when you read the comments online, particularly on the launch video, you'll see all kinds of people love this. They're like, man, this is amazing. It's a great burger. Plus it's doing a great thing in my community. Our churches are called to make a difference in the lives of our community. Rather than hiding this away with some committee or some sub point on a strategic plan, community service needs to be part of your growth strategy. Time and again, we've seen uh, the draw of churches that focus on getting their people out into the streets and in, uh, out of their seats and into the streets that are actually looking for ways to engage their people in doing good in their community. Obviously, the community sees this as a good thing. 
but we see it as a God thing. Uh, it's critically important. Again, we've talked about this lots on in seminary, but I want to encourage you, uh, church leaders, do not hide this away in some you know back room and not talk about it. This really should be front and center in all of your communication. Uh, it's an important part of what you do. Yeah, I know we've seen this before, but just personally, um, in a recent event like this, we saw brands making new guests join us yes. to serve as their first experience with our church, which is really exciting. Absolutely, for sure. All right, last one, number six, narrow the focus for a bigger impact. Simple church is still the best path forward. Take a look at Mr. Beastburger's menu. If you click on the link, it's in your show notes or on the article. It's just a few items. If you look at the comparison, and again, I provided this link uh, to the McDonald's around the corner from you, Mr. Beastburger has a much narrower focus. It's hard at work in improving the quality of what it does. This small menu gives them the ability to focus on a few items and to do them well. You remember the book Simple Church? This is about 10 years old now, which is incredible. It's this idea that churches should do just a few things and to do them well to have more impact, clarity, movement, alignment, focus. These were all real hallmarks of the Simple Church movement. There was a time when churches would actually brag about how many services they had, how many ministries they, they had in their ministry. We have 102 ministries in our in our church. Crazy. Uh, however, we've seen all kinds of evidence that simple church, this idea of narrowing down, doing just a few things and doing them well, is the way for our churches to grow and to reach people in our communities. One of my fears coming out of COVID uh, as I talk with church leaders across the country is one of the impacts that it's for sure going to have on our churches is as we've added a robust digital ministry, we're going to have to figure out what simple church looks like again. We're going to have to reinvent what does it mean to do just a few things and to do them well. The question for you in this is what can we remove from our churches today to make us more effective tomorrow? We need to cut back on things that don't push the mission forward. What areas are, uh, you know, on your ministry are just simply not effective? What projects are holding you back and siphoning off resources? As my friend Carrie Newhoff says, what areas are you having to uh, artificially generate excitement about? Cut those things, get rid of them, get back to simple church, do a few things and do them well. Ultimately, that alignment, that focus, that clarity will give your organization, your church movement and momentum going forward. All right. Well, this is a super fun article, Rich. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Yeah. So what we did at the bottom of this article was I, I, I wanted to create a resource uh, that kind of created a fun way to get at some deep issues at your church. And so uh, we've provided, like we do every week, we provide you a PDF of this and it's downloadable. You can print it and give it to your team. It's like a ready to go team training. But today what we did was not only does it have the article that we just talked, there's all kinds of links to actually more information about Mr. Beastburger, but then we included a discussion guide, which then you could use with your team to actually discuss this article. I'm hoping that that will help kind of spur some of these conversations uh, with your team. If it does, let me know. I'd love to hear more about yeah. it. Might I suggest a lunch and learn where you maybe order some burgers? Boom! Order some Mr. Beast Burger <laughs> for lunch and do lunch and learn. Fantastic. Nice. All right. Well, thank you, Rich. And thank you to our listeners. Enjoy your burgers. Uh, you can find this and other helpful articles at unseminary.com. Rich, want to have burgers for dinner? 